just to test the microphone, can you tell me what you had for breakfast this morning? I had toast. <laughs> Very basic and coffee. Sometimes, you know, a piece yeah. of toast hits the spot absolutely it, perfectly. <laughs> I've not had toast in ages. <laughs> Hello, this is Justin Kings. Welcome to Fish and Chips Made Me Faint. It's the podcast that explores our extreme relationships with food, from the foods that we intensely love to the foods that we can't stand the sight of, let alone the taste of. Apologies if you're a regular listener. It's been a while since the last podcast. Hopefully you'll understand things are a bit upside down because of the pandemic, but I hope the wait has been worth it because we've got a really interesting guest this week. Her name is Malminda Gill. She is a hypnotherapist who works in London in the UK. She deals with, uh, amongst other things, food phobia and food binging. We talk about all of that and we talk about the added strain that the pandemic has put on people regarding food. Malminda says she is busier than she has been for a long time, even giving therapy to therapists. And she talks about those food delivery apps and how she believes they've accelerated uh, the problem of binge eating for some people. So I think it's a really interesting conversation. I uh, hope you do too. Here is Malminda Gil. Thank you for talking to us today. First of all, this, this podcast is called Fish and Chips Made Me Faint. Has, has the title of the podcast made you curious at all? Absolutely. So when I uh, read the title, I thought, oh, was there something in the fish or the chips or was it the location? What's going on here? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good question. I never thought about the location before because so that the, the title of the podcast comes out of my weird situation with food, Where, particularly when I was a kid, I couldn't stand the idea of people eating fish. And at its most extreme, I remember I was on holiday with my mum and dad and they had like battered fish and chips. And it's definitely something I wouldn't eat because I, I, you know, I absolutely knew I, I couldn't face eating fish. But I remember my mum my and dad eating their dinner. And suddenly the room started to get darker and darker. And I was only like mm. seven or eight. So I had no idea what's going on. I just knew I felt weird. So stupidly, I decided the best way to sort of get rid of this horrible feeling was to go and get some fresh air. Yeah. And anyway, that I did. And my mum and dad's eating of their dinner was disturbed by a loud thud and I'd collapsed in the foyer of the of the hotel. And I've had a few incidents since where usually fish, occasionally chicken have triggered me off as well. Mm. So it was trying to understand sort of what, what's going on in my head that led me to doing this podcast. And, and then thinking on the flip, so like fish is my food nemesis. And then mm. Indian food is the thing that I would crawl across broken glass to eat. So, you know, we have these kind of mm. extreme relationships with food, don't we? Um, yeah. Now, so so that, that sort of situation with me, with fish, is that a kind of classic kind of situation that somebody might come to you saying, look, I've got this problem. I, I, I can't figure what's going on in my head. Can you help me? Absolutely. So, I mean, 
and and it, the type of food varies as well. So for you, it's fish. For somebody else, it might be a certain kind of vegetable or or another piece of uh, a kind of meat or a grain. Um, however, the response that uh, an individual has to that particular food that they're um, having, you know, is is very similar. So uh, fainting, collapsing, feeling. Uh, uh, nauseous, um, like you said, when when you were younger, the room started to get darker and darker and darker. You know these sorts of experiences and sensations: trembling, shaking, hot flushes, sweating, all of that, where your body almost goes out of control. Um, you have a, a like like a, a phobic response to it. It can develop through uh, with fish. It can be with uh, cheese. It can be with lots of different things. But I would say the response. It, there's a similar sort of pattern that I see with uh, w- with people that come, you know. And I've read about lots of as well, lots of different cases. Yeah, and what's happening? And then and then mm. the, then the avoidance kicks in, right? So, mm. um, for example, for you, maybe it was difficult to even. Um, visit the uh or, or see the fish counter in the supermarket or yeah, even exactly. walk past the fish and ch- chip shop because the smell also comes with that you know um and then it might have even been to the point where you can't watch anybody eating fish on telly whether it's you know like a, a normal television program or you find it difficult when somebody sat opposite you in a restaurant eating that and so it can really, and it, and it sounds simple. Oh, it's just fish. Who cares? Whatever, right? So that's what people say. But when you have it, you see it everywhere. It's like a part of your brain is looking for it and, and is alert to not fish as a dangerous thing, but uh, the the reactions that you're going to have. Mm. And then it, then you can start getting anxious about being anxious about that. That's right. Um, I think I think it's amazing because only doing like a handful of these podcasts so far, I found it incredible. Um, you know, as you were saying, that the range of different kind of issues that people have, and I was actually listening to another podcast, a very different kind of podcast about food called Off Menu, and the singer Anne Marie was on it, and she was being interviewed about her sort of eating phobia, which is she has a fear of vomiting she says and she thinks Mm. it's led her to an unadventurous diet because of this fear you were saying the worry about the you know the 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 phobia she she had mostly cream cheese sandwiches as a child because that was the that was the safe food for her yeah um i'm wondering for somebody like me for somebody like Anne-Marie when we when we come to you and say we've got this problem where do you go from from there and can we be treated um for our strange reactions to food first of all um if anybody listening to this is going through something similar do seek professional help um and i would just like to also add uh, not every treatment works for everyone unfortunately so it's not a one size fits all and, and I'm very upfront and honest when I speak to people even before I, I see them uh, I hear their story and if I do think I can help then I will either tell them 
I will specify the bits I can help with because this sort of uh, issue presents itself in a very uh, complicated, multi-layered way. Sometimes uh, it might be the anxiety. It might be actually even keeping you up at night. It might be to the point where it's really affecting your health because of a lack of uh, nutrition. There's there's lots of different things. It's not the it's not like um, uh, a different kind of phobia that's not linked to uh, nutrition, right? So if you had a, a phobia of uh, snakes and, and spiders, that that is different because this, especially with uh, uh, those clients who come and say uh, they have a they cannot eat any vegetables or any fruit at all and they haven't that will have uh, an impact on on the body mm. uh, and their health uh, as they start to age more and more so that it's different you know so it's so it's very very serious and usually when i um see uh, people for this uh, they they're normally under the care of a, another practitioner as well in some cases uh, a psychiatrist or a psychologist as well and um, what I do with the hypnotherapy is part of their overall health plan, you know, to to manage this or, and, and hopefully recover from it. It is complicated and I don't think there's this, uh, you know, snap your fingers and then it will go away type thing. So I'm very, very m- mindful of that. And uh, with the hypnotherapy in particular, there's uh, lots of... Um, wild claims and promises and things like that and I say do your research make sure that you take a clinical approach make sure your GP or, or a medical professional knows that you you're about to start something like hypnotherapy as well always mm. better to err on the side of caution that's really that's really interesting what you were saying a minute or so ago about um, the, the potential danger of these problems you know that I hadn't really thought mm. about sort of the fruit and vegetable version which is which is really interesting now i don't know if you're able to to talk about this without sort of breaking any uh patient confidentiality but but i wonder what you feel your greatest sort of achievement has been your greatest win in in somebody walking into your clinic with quite a serious or quite an extreme problem and 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 you have managed to you have managed to be able to fix it is there there anything that sort of you're very proud of yeah well, there's been a, a couple of cases, but one in particular shines out where fruit and vegetables were a, a complete impossibility, and it reached, it developed in childhood, um, right through into adult life, and it reached the point where even watching somebody else consume or eat uh, broccoli or carrots or you know a peach or a pear or, or something caused heightened state of panic but also uh, vomiting as well in that scenario of course uh, you then hugely limit what you what you can eat right so a lot of it ended up through you know the busyness of life you know uh, convenience ended up being processed food lots of ketchup on on things right and and or lots of mayonnaise lots of ready-made uh, sources processed frozen type food which we can all be guilty of but I guess when you have uh, something as severe as this where you cannot eat a vegetable or or a piece of fruit 
and it sets you off when you see somebody else even consuming that then 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 it is is very 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 serious and so in that scenario um you can't even have fruits and vegetables hidden in other things Mm -hmm. because the anxiety is so so far developed and it reaches a point where there is um an, an alert system inside that makes you um read the ingredients labels on on uh, these processed foods over and over again just to check you know and if there is so much as a a pea yeah. or a piece of sweet corn which is very difficult to do i mean it, it's a very hard way to live and something like this affects your whole life your social life everything right because you limit yourself anyway with, with, with this particular case you know through through the help uh of therapy through me with me and and with uh, another couple of practitioners it's it's vastly improved and it's almost day and night and so that's wonderful news from just a nutrition point of view start getting your life back these are the kind of responses that i've that i've heard um and uh so that's 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 a one i would say very um uh intense some uh, um example yeah, yeah, right? really, because it, because because it includes so many different foods. It's yeah. not just one. Yeah. Um. And 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 the issue there really was, and it normally is, uh, smell, texture, and that's even before the taste. Yeah, I think the fish thing for me, I think um, texture has a lot to do with it. You know, just the idea of these kind of slimy creatures that live in the sea that are kind of gross. And the fact mm. that people eat them, and I, I you know, I, I think I know consciously that's the that's the trigger, that's the that's the problem because I'm sh- everyone tells me you you know you'd you'd love it, you'd love the taste, and I'm sure I would, I absolutely sure I would. But mm. that combo of the texture and the smell, I think, are the are the triggers for me. And th- they are for so many people when it comes to yeah. food texture, the sensation in your mouth. That's that's up there with the smell, and the reason why I say uh, texture and smell before taste is because the taste bit, food needs to stay in your mouth and and needs to move around in your mouth a little bit before you, before you can start tasting it properly. I was going to say that's an advanced um, stage of eating, isn't it? The actual tasting. <laughs> yeah, that you've is, got to get it in first, and sometimes it it goes in. The texture doesn't sit right on the tip of the tongue, or yeah. it feels. Uh, on the teeth the little bite doesn't seem right or it just even on the lips even before opening the mouth it doesn't feel right and uh it, it, if it's food that is um picked up by the by your hands and not with cutlery it might not feel right in your fingertips mm. right so this is uh, this is this is how uh, advanced uh, the anxiety can go i was going to ask you another sort of on the flip side to all this so we're talking about those kind of aversions to foods that you mm. that you you know you, ca- you can't stand do you have people come to see you on the flip side where people say look i can't stop eating this whatever it might be i mean would that be a would that be a kind of food addiction i suppose but it's it's it's, it's focused on one particular kind of food do you do you you see that yeah it yeah and i would say that's a little bit more common from what i see uh, personally but that's a little bit more common where um i can't stop um i can't stop eating chocolate or 
sweets or crisps or um, what I've seen a lot of, I guess, in the last two to three years, because before that, it was more specific foods like chocolate or something. But now, and I think this is maybe to social media or whatever, but now it's people are labeling it carb addiction. Mm. Um, and um, when people come in, they'll say, I'm addicted to carbs. That's mm. what I'm hearing. And, I'm, and I said, well, what does that exactly mean? Um, oh, I can't, I want everything that is uh, bready or it, it has pasta in it or has potatoes or rice or, you know, is just very, very carb heavy with very little protein um, or a moderate amount of protein. But with carbs being um, carbohydrate food being the bulk and usually those uh, carbohydrates that they they themselves label as what they're addicted to are usually refined uh, the, the refined carbs white pasta white bread so not anything that's going to fill you up for too long um the kind of things that will convert into sugar and just make you want more and more and more this um, is so it. that's that's the flip side i'm seeing a lot of yeah i was going to say is yeah. this is this comfort eating under another name and that for some people it's carbs it's bread and pastries and pasties and for other people it's mm. chocolate i mean is that often at the heart of this problem that kind of the the need um, to sort of comfort yourself yeah it's definitely a huge factor a, a huge contributing factor and i say contributing factor because it's again multi-layered it won't just be one thing but if if we just say the need to comfort or emotional need is always a contributing factor and every single time and it's how much has that taken over because some some sometimes if we look at contributing factors for something like this they can be very practical pragmatic things like your kitchen's full of all of this stuff so from a practical point of view it might not be easy to move on so that that's on the on the uh on more of an, an everyday pragmatic point of view, but also then there's the comfort eating. So if you need, if you felt the need to comfort yourself with certain types of food and that food is in your kitchen, the chances are you'll, you'll have it. But mm. if, if it's not in your kitchen, then the chances are you'll start to plot and plan your next shop. And usually with this uh, thing, um, when you go out shopping on your weekly shop or whenever, you might be buying healthy food, very healthy food, with the view that, yeah, I can do it this week. Go back home, put everything into the fridge, into the cupboards, get on with your day or whatever. Something stressful happens, let's say, or something unpleasant, something that you would label unpleasant happens, causes an emotional reaction. You need comfort. You go to your fridge, it's just stock with healthy stuff. And then you, without thinking, the next thing you know, you're in the corner shop and not just buying a healthy portion size of that comfort food, but uh, a basket full. And you might have convinced yourself during the shop, oh, this will last me for the next one week. But then uh, an hour later, you're at home and you've eaten everything. Mm. So that's a very common thing that i see and you know it's known as uh widely known as binge eating but uh, a pattern that i'm seeing a lot of is largely healthy you know uh monday to thursday sunday to thursday 
weekends or evenings it's anyone's guess and if you're in London or a city in particular I think this uh, issue um, this style of eating has been accelerated through the uh, deliver the food delivery apps where it's so easy to deliver that's a, a, a newer thing where people are ordering one two three meals through an app that get delivered within half an hour so they don't even have to leave the home if you're a person who who was already you know binging every once in a while uh, this just has a uh, help to encourage that because it's so easy you don't have to get dressed you don't have to go outside there's fewer barriers i imagine lockdown has probably compounded some of these problems for people as well i mean you know so many of us have i think we all know somebody who's uh, suffered mentally you know found it really 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 difficult the lockdown and i'm sure a lot of them have, uh, have resorted to food to be able to just try and get mm. through you know are you, are you, are you expecting you know uh, an influx of of new patients once we're able to more fully go out and about yeah i think so i mean i've already started to get very very busy i would say um the first quarter of this year this year has been my busiest yet right. um in a very long time and i think that's uh, the third lockdown has hit us all very hard and i'm including therapists too um, in this um we're always seen uh, therapists medical professions are always seen as people who have um you know largely got it together and doing all of the right things but i'm also uh, treating therapists as well it's 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 tough all around oh. i mean no nobody saw this coming and and we, nobody was certainly expecting it to last this long I think because food is something that we have to consume, it's not like alcohol, it's not like cigarettes, recreational drugs, or anything else that you, anybody might consume. We need, we need it to live. Um, and because of that, uh, it, it, the, the comfort eating has just gone through the roof. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people right now with comfort eating are trying to uh, get it back under control as lockdown starting to lift uh which it, which i'm seeing a lot of in terms of inquiries coming through so there you go there's malminda gill um a really interesting conversation i think and if you want to find out more about malminda her web address is hypnosis hyphen in hyphen london.com hypnosis hyphen in hyphen london.com and i think some good advice from Mal Minder in there who said you know before you embark in any kind of treatment for any um, a problem that you may have with food to speak to your GP I um, am not medically qualified in any way but that seems to me to be really good advice and I did ask Mal Minder what's your sort of nightmare food and she came up with her answer, which is a classic, a classic hated food, I think. The Brussels sprout. If you're listening to this now and you say, do you know, what? I'm kind of indifferent to Brussels sprouts. I don't believe you. I think Brussels sprouts are one of those foods that you either love or hate. I love them. Uh, but Mal Minda said she was cured of her 
hatred of Brussels sprouts by her mum, who made a Brussels sprout curry. And, and it was like this revelation. For the first time, Melminda tasted these hated vegetables and they tasted very different and delicious, she says. So there you go. There's a, there's a very practical bit of advice if you hate Brussels sprouts. Um, don't forget we're on, oh, you may not know, we're on Instagram. So um, if you're on Instagram too, why don't you check us out um, at that food podcast? And this is how you can speak to me. I'm the only person that accesses that account. And I would love to hear from you. What's your food story? Maybe I can talk to you on a future podcast. Or just let me know what you think of the podcast. I'd be really um, happy to hear from you. So it's at that food podcast podcast. But in the meantime, take very good care of yourself and thank you for listening.